Welcome to Home Buying 101. This is Francisco here with Nayeli Garay today. Nayeli, thank you for being on the show today. Yay, thank you for having me. So Nayeli, introduce yourself to everybody. So my name is Nayeli Garay. I am 31 years old and I've been in the industry for four years now. What's your astronomical sign now? You told us your age. I don't think anyone has ever told us their age. I'm proud. <laughs> um, I'm a Libra, but I don't know what that means. I don't follow that. I just, the way you introduced yourself, I was like, might as well just tell you us your astronomical sign. So, Natalie, how long have you been in the industry? Okay, so I've been in the industry for four years now, coming in April. My first year in the industry, though, I was an assistant to a team lead, top producer. Um, and then the next year, I was still part of her team, but I was closing under my name. But I I think it was like a blessing to be part of a team just because I learned so much. And then down the road, I ventured off on my own. And what do you love about just being a loan officer in this real estate industry, everything? I love everything about it um it can get very stressful but honestly i think just knowing that you're helping families get into homes and a lot of people it's the hardest thing and a lot of people think they can never be homeowners and then when you talk to them it's like completely opposite it's like you're actually ready to start now so i think it's very fulfilling to see family actually get into a home Okay. So first of all, we always start our, our episodes talking about what the market looks like this week. So thank you to Joanna and Jorge from AZ Associates for these numbers. So active, we've got about 15,588. Coming soon, we're looking at 576 with uh, pending about 9,062. Median list price this week is 485. And we're looking at a median sold price of 435,000. And days on market, 62 days on the market. So, Nile, with a median sold price of 435, what would uh, pricing look like this week? What would rates or a monthly payment look like this week? Yeah, so this week we have seen a fluctuation on rates. They go down, they go up, and it's just kind of been going on and on for the past week or so. But if we're considering a purchase price of 435000 for an FHA loan, you're going to be at a 5.75 interest rate with a 700 credit score. And this will put your monthly payment at about $24.92. And if we were to go with a conventional loan, we're looking at a 6.3. Uh, your monthly payment would be about $26.24. And again, this is obviously considering a 700 credit score and all of these things could change depending on your particular situation. So of course, rates are always changing. Yeah. So of mm-hmm. course, reach out to you to get an actual accurate pricing on everybody's individual situation. Yeah, of course. And running your credit is not going to affect you, but really with your credit score and your income, the type of loan we're doing, that's how we're really going to determine what your your, your payment's going to look like. So with this being Home Buying 101, Natalie, we've talked about the contract being submitted by the realtor. So I wanted to have you on the show to talk about what happens now that a contract's submitted on the lender side. Yeah, so first of all, yay, you know, you're under contract. So basically the title company and the listing agent and the buyer's agent is going to send your contract to your lender. Once your lender receives that, then your process for your to get your loan to clear to close or final approval is it starts. So we're going to submit it to the underwriting team so that they can verify everything that your lender should have already verified, but like 
on steroids. They're going to make sure that your credit is still good. They make sure your income is still aligning. And then from there, hopefully we'll, we'll move forward into our final approval. In the meantime, the appraisal gets ordered, the inspection gets done, and any updated documents get requested that are needed. And so all of that can take anywhere between 20 to 30 days. Okay. So when you say updated documents, they've already submitted the documents at pre-call, but what are the updated documents you guys usually request? Yeah, so updated documents are always going to be your most recent pay stubs. Um, the biggest thing is also going to be your uh, bank statement. And even if your bank statement is not fully ready yet from like the prior month, you're still going to need like a transaction history showing that your earnest money deposit came out of your account or wherever it came out of, we're going to want to source that. But other than that, I mean, the underwriter is going to ask for whatever the specific situation is. So when you say bank statements, I can get on my phone and just screenshot you what my bank statements look like, right? No, 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 <laughs> don't do that. Don't send screenshots. I've actually had somebody send me a picture of their computer screen <laughs> with like uh, page by page, I guess. And I'm like, can you just download it? <laughs> You need the, and you don't need the blank pages, right? You need everything. So if your statement is seven pages and the last six, like page six and seven are blank, send it anyways. The, the underwriters and say this is page, you know, four of seven. We need to have all pages. So of course. I just, I just say that. I, know <laughs> I hear it every day by you guys. It's just like, we need the bank statements and we need all seven pages. Yes. It doesn't matter. Yes. Download and, the PDF. And we don't need screenshots. <laughs> we need the actual PDF. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. It happens more often than you think. <laughs> that's why I'm asking because I know that that's one of you guys' pain points is clients will just either screenshot you, send you snippets, yeah. and it's just... And it's funny because a lot of clients think like, well, I don't want to show you my entire history, and let me just clear it out. We don't care about your history. Well, we don't. Like, we want to see the important things, right? Like, if you're making consistent withdrawals to something that's undisclosed, like, that's a big deal. We want to see if you're depositing a large amount of money into your account. That's a big deal. But as far as, like, how many times you go to Big Trip, like, I don't care, right? And I feel like a lot of people think that we're judging down their transactions we don't care <laughs> how, many, how many times they go to starbucks if, yeah. you, if they only knew how many times you went to starbucks. yeah then you would judge me <laughs> if they only knew i only go to starbucks every three hours we don't need like, to get we don't need to get there <laughs> so of course i mean you need full statements um and then like you said you don't want any i, I guess I'll let you talk about this. What do you not, what not to do, I guess, once you go on a contract? Okay. So I thought about this and I came up with two big things that continuously, like, are they're just big factors. One of them is, like we talked about, do not make large deposits into your account. And so it's very common for people to save cash. Um, even when people get paid direct deposits, sometimes they'll take money out just because they prefer having cash around. And that's fine, but when you're going to get ready to buy a house, it's important to deposit that amount into your account. Um, but if everything is moving quickly, then it's important to talk to your loan officer so that they can advise you on how to get money into your account without raising any red flags from the underwriter. So while you're under contract, even though you already submitted your bank statement and you're like, okay, I already submitted my bank statement, now I can deposit 10000 that I have cash under the couch. Don't do that because, like I said, we might need a transaction history to show your earnest money or whatever the case is. You really just never know what the underwriter is going to ask, and we don't want to run into issues. So cash is a really, really big thing. Like, do not deposit large amount of cash. And by large, I mean, like, anything above a 1000 I always say talk to your loan officer. Okay. And then you said there was another one. So Yeah. 
So the second one is going to be um, your income. So make sure that if you're a loan officer is qualifying you with 40 hours a week, that you are very consistent with your 40 hours a week. Um, it's very common for people to be like, oh, well, I only worked 38 hours or 35 hours or whatever. And that really throws off your income and it makes the bank question, do you really work your 40 hours a week? And obviously paid time off doesn't count like that. That's time that you're getting paid off or even holiday that's paid off. But if you just didn't show up and the employer's not going to pay you, it could very much affect your qualification. Because it shows up and gets you on the pay stuff that you only work 38 hours in the last mm-hmm. paid Yeah. And then even if you for sure always work 40 hours and this was just a one time, like now we might need an additional verification from the employer to confirm that you do work your 40 hours. Um, and also with overtime, like if your loan officer is qualifying you with overtime because you usually work overtime, but then all of a sudden you don't want to work overtime anymore, like it could be decreasing overtime and that could also have an impact on your qualification. So I think that it's just very important to be very mindful. Like I'm, this is how I'm qualified. I'm going to try to work this hours or this amount until you get your keys for sure. That makes sense. So work your hours. <laughs> Go to work. <laughs> Go to work. To work yeah. overtime, make more money. <laughs> you have to pay, buy furniture anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so is there anything else that, now that you don't do that, but what, is there anything, like you said, you do work your hours, is there anything else that people should be doing while they're in the process, I guess? Uh, yeah, I think that people need to be very mindful that they are under contract, that they are in escrow for a short amount of time, you know, 20 to 30 days is the time where we need to prove to the bank that you are qualified to get this loan. Um, So anything that your loan officer is asking for, it's for a reason. And I know a lot of people get frustrated or they're like, why are they asking for so much information, especially with the transaction history? Like I already gave you my bank statement. That's okay. I I don't want it. The bank wants it. (laughs) And I think we all need to remember that. Like you are asking for a loan that's, you know, over 300,000 or whatever the case is. Like you want to make sure that you are submitting everything that the bank is asking for in a timely manner. Um, So I think that's something to be very, very mindful about. Yeah. Most, I've talked to a couple of realtors and lenders and they're, they tell me the way I explain it to my client when they're like, why are they asking you for so much is would you lend someone three, four or $500,000 just off a whip? No, exactly. you're gonna you're gonna do your research. You're gonna figure out, hey, does this person make enough money to pay me back in 30 years, yeah. or are they responsible enough to do this? It, exactly. And um, my husband used to work at a bank um, in what is that place? Fountain Hills. And so their community is a lot of older people, and he said that they would get so upset when he would ask for an ID because they've been banking with Wells Fargo for 30 years, and how can you ask? But at the same time, if you think about it, it's like if I don't ask you for an ID. Or you're going to get mad at me because I'm not verifying your information. So it's the same thing with the bank. Like they're lending you so much money. They want to verify that you are, you know, who you say you are and that you're bringing in what you say you are. Yeah. I actually think sometimes I go to the bank, especially Wells Fargo. Sorry to talk about Wells Fargo. <laughs> I walk in and now that you put in your pin and you put in your card, they don't ask you for ID. And the first time I did that, I was like, do you need my ID? I'm going to drive money. Here. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, oh no, you verified your pin. And I'm in the back of my head, I'm thinking, what if someone yeah. just jumped me outside? 
ask me for my debit card, how much money I have, and ask me for my PIN, they could easily walk in and just say, oh, hey, I want to withdraw this much yeah. money from this account. Like, yeah. They could have just, I could have been going to the bank and got jumped outside. Yeah. Dude, that's how I feel when we go out to like get a drink and people don't ask me for my ID anymore. I get so offended. I'm like, excuse me. Like, I know I'm 31, but like, ask me for my ID. Make me, me feel young. Yeah. It's funny when they ask you for ID. We'll just go off a little topic, but they ask for ID and you're like, Oh, you make me feel good. Yeah. No one laughs at that <laughs> joke anymore. <laughs> you know what's funny though? Like when you don't have your ID, then it's like, I'm 31. Like, why do you need my ID? <laughs> so it's all about just the double negative there. But yeah. it's, just, it's just funny. But yeah, clients are like, why are they asking me for some information? It's like, we're lending, they're lending you this much amount. Yeah. It's like, we need to verify. For sure. So something to do while you're under contract is be mindful and be understanding that, you know, your lender is asking you things for a reason. And everybody's goal and purpose is to get you to the finish line and get those keys in your hand for sure. Yeah. So is there anything else that maybe we should know now that we are under contract? Um, no, I don't, I mean, aside from what we just talked about, obviously, and just be patient. I think a lot, a lot of people get, you know, they're nervous and it's understandable. Like this is a huge purchase that you're going to make. And for a lot of people, it's their only one, you know, like a lot of people don't look at this and I'm going to buy another house in three years. Or maybe a lot of older people are like, this is, I've been renting my whole life. I'm going to buy now. And this is my house. So I think that if you choose the right loan officer, me, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Like your loan officer should have you in mind in the entire process. Um, but you should also be very mindful and just remember, like they're asking me for documents. It's for a reason. So tell me about someone that just didn't listen to you. That what happened? I guess they just didn't get the house. Actually, I just closed on on a house on Friday, and I wouldn't say they didn't listen to me. Um, I think that he was just under the impression that we were done with the bank statements because he transferred money from Mexico into his account and it was like 5400 and so the underwriter wanted to source it but because he came from mexico he didn't have access to his account online and then it was like well now you have to call your bank in mexico to get something in writing like just remember anytime that there's a deposit whether it's cash or sent through zelle or something like we need to source it we need to know where this came from why do they give it to you are they expecting you to pay it back is it a loan um you know where where is it from and we ran into that where we couldn't source it. So, of course, like you said, Zelle, I'm, I'm guessing Zelle, Venmo, those, if it's a consistent $200, $300 every month, you kind of need to know, hey, where is this, what's going on here? But if it's yeah. an occasional Venmo between friends, like yeah, a no. 20 or 30 or 40 no, yeah. or $200 transaction, just randomly, those are kind of just, okay, yeah. it's just a wreck. It wouldn't matter, yeah. And, you know, what's funny is that when it comes to bank statements, uh, I know I mentioned that like we don't really care what you're spending your money at, but what we are looking for is like consistent um, withdrawals that are coming out. So, for example, we had somebody who had a car payment come out and that car payment was not listed on their credit report. So that's like a red flag. Like, Why are you paying a car that's not on your credit report? Because I'm not accounting for this as your debt. And so the person was like, oh, I just paid it for my mom that one month. It's like, okay, cool. But then if we get the next month a statement and it's still there, now that raises a question, like, are you really just paying it that one month? So it's things like that, that that's up to the loan officer. The loan officer needs to be very mindful of that stuff, but you also need to be very honest with them. Like if you do have debt that's not disclosed on your credit report, I almost feel like it's always going to come out. So like, it's better to just be in front of it and be honest than to wait for, you know, things to get crazy. 
you've gotten the contract, and like you said, they're gonna, you're going to do a, a couple of things. So what's kind of like the timeline? Like, so, so you get the contract. How soon do you, after you get docs, do you order appraisal? Do you go into uh, final disclosures and closing? Yeah, so the appraisal in this market is taking a bit to order only because, and, and this might change soon, but like right now the buyers have like, you know, the upper hand. So right now buyers are doing their inspection on their home. They are negotiating repairs. They are, you know, making sure that the seller's going to take care of these things. And then when they give me the green light, repairs are taken care of. We want to move forward. Then I basically order the appraisal. So that can take anywhere between five to 10 days, depending on their inspection period. And then how long does it take for the appraisal to come back after that? The appraisal usually gets back, I want to say like a week and a half after we order it. So we order it. It's through a third party vendor. Like we have no communication with the appraisal, which is another fun thing that we make fun of because um, agents too, like they think that we have control and it's like, we really don't. Like we order the appraisal and that's it. Um, so then they get ordered an appraiser accepts it. They schedule it. They go out and do the inspection. Then they actually do the report and then they send it back to us. So all of that, I would say about a week and a half. So then that's pretty much like 17 days in. So yeah. basically after that, it's kind of just get, getting all the ducks in a row and going into to clear to close. It's going to clear to close. Once you get clear to close, then, you know, after that, it's like going into title, balancing the numbers out, making sure that your cash to close is accurate and then sending docs to title so that you sign. Okay. So Nayeli, thank you for being on the show today. If someone wants to reach out to you to talk about their situation, get some numbers for you, of course, start the process. How can we get a hold of you? Yes. So reach out to me to 623-385-9315 or through Instagram. I'm very active on my Instagram at Nayeli Garay Mortgage. Um, either of those, I'm very responsive. So either you call or text and I'm, I'll be answering. Okay. So thank you for being on the show. And of course, if you guys have any insurance needs or have any additional questions from Nayeli, you can always reach out to us on our show socials. But thank you for being on the show. Yay.